0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network we all take on different roles every day one minute you're a parent the next a chef or a driver
1: Welcome to the Five Year Pan Podcast. Hey! Pod 419. Uh, and it's the week the Palace have won 2 0 at Molyneux. Big, big win for Palace. And joining me uh, this week to discuss it, Jack Pierce is here. Hello, Jack. Hey, JD. Should I say, sorry, I should have said with his husky voice, Jack Pierce is here. <laughs>
2: Yes, thank you to listener feedback advising me that my voice does not sound like they expected it to. That was that was good. So I have been to, uh, taking voice lessons this week from your uh, from your teacher JD. So yeah, all, all good. Um, just slightly uh, regretful that I used my away day tokens um, for Norwich and Brentford and missed out on what was seemingly <laughs> a much better away day this past weekend. But nonetheless, let's
1: uh, let's revel in it. Yes, it was it was fantastic. Uh, return to the pod after a while, great to have him back. Also. Got the best voice possible for podcasts. Kevin Day, hello to you. How are you doing?
3: Uh I'm very well, thank you. Uh I shall be using that voice uh loudly if anyone that you're about to introduce mentions <laughs> at any stage in any order the letters X and G. Right. It will kick off. But
1: apart from that, hello everybody. Good. Okay. <laughs> Lovely I may, to be here. I may have to mute our final guest. <laughs> uh it's Andy Street. Andy, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing?
4: What sort of way is that, greet A stalwart of this podcast who hasn't been on in 2022 and was fundamental in its nascent years—that is an absolute <laughs>
3: disgrace, JD. I, I'm appalled.
1: It, was, it wasn't even me that was saying it. It was
3: no, that he's saying it's But you haven't, you haven't been on because of your WhatsApp behaviour, because yeah. you're <laughs> you're prodding and you're prodding and poking and fishing and and hinting that Vieira is not as good a manager as Roy Hudson. <laughs> That's why you've not been invited I, on. I, I call it training, Kevin. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> professional contrarian. I have to keep keep my
1: skills honed. Right. Anyway, can I do a shout out first before we do anything? A drum roll for a shout out to a random patron, please. It's Emily M. Hey Emily, Hello, Emily. Hi, Emily! Hello Emily. thank you for joining our Patreon, you can join our Patreon and get all the awards like Emily, including post-match podcast, Patreon-only merchandise and access to the Patreon-only Discord club at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P podcast. Um, and if I could do a quick shout out as well, tickets still available to my Museum of Comedy show in central London on uh, Thursday, March 24th at 7pm um at museum or jimdailycomedy.com slash gigs please do come along because i think there's still loads available uh but it'd be lovely to see you there um that's it admin wise so should we go straight into the, this game jack palace have won two nil at Wolves, big win uh and in fact actually i'm gonna give you a question straight off the bat from robin nickelberg oh, oh, yeah, robin. Robin. that first half performance Top three for best ever half of football played by Palace. It was very good, wasn't it?
2: I, I thought you were just going like to end the question before you said by Palace, like the <laughs> history of the game. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, Dom, Dom said last week he was quite confident of a of a good result for Palace last week. And I, I shared that perhaps to a lesser degree. But then like as the week progressed, I thought about how well we played against them at home. And I just thought if we could transfer that performance to to the game on Saturday, we would stand a really good chance. Um, and we were excellent. We were by far the better team, dominant. Um, and yeah, in terms of first half performances, I think Vieira said it, that was the best half of football under his um, under his management. We were just great all over the pitch. Everything was was about as good as you'd want it to be. The only thing you could argue was that we probably should have had more than two goals. And if that's the only negative, that's uh, that's not a bad place to be. But yeah, thoroughly... Excellent performance. Um, it did naturally drop off in the second half because to keep up those levels um, w- would be quite surprising. But yeah, we-, we won the game in the first half and managed the second half um, as-, as well as was necessary and some really good standout performances. Mark Gay, again, excellent with the armband, and Tyreek Mitchell, again, who is just week in, week out. Excellent for Palace. Um, and then a threat at the top end of the pitch with with Will Felice and, and JP, who bagged again. And as long as he's bagging, there can't be any complaints about him starting games. So yeah, excellent, excellent performance and, uh, puts us a long, long way to securing our Premier League status for another season. If, if there was any doubt that there was the need to do so.
1: You say that we have had multiple questions about JP, which we'll come on to in a bit. Um, Kevin, here's a question. From, I'm, I think it's tongue-in-cheek from Anton Jean-Baptiste. Oh, uh, Anton. Anton. What's the address for fans to send in their flowers and apology letters for doubting Vieira? Um, <laughs> I'd imagine Sellers Park, Anton. You can yeah. Google it. Um, it. I think, Kevin, it probably was a combination of Palace being very good. Walls were quite poor as well. It's not, you know, I think can't really ignore that, but Palace were very good. But it was one of these games where everything clicked. Everything that we sort of knew... Could happen for Palace in terms of going forward into this new Vieira regime and things that we talked about in previous weeks. So maybe it hasn't quite come off. Everything clicked for Palace in the first half.
3: For for me, it's one of the most satisfying results and performances of the season and for a long time, really, because it it proved finally that we have a plan A, a plan B and a plan C. We had 36% possession, which I think is the lowest second lowest of the season but certainly the lowest for a long time um, yet we were still clearly the better team and it's interesting away at Watford Watford's sort of press is kind of half-hearted they sort of wander towards the ball without really challenging so we allowed them to do that and sort of pass around them whereas Wolves do the pressing game very well so we just went over the top of it that was clearly the pan we let Wolves press as much as they want and then we'll get the ball and, and the, the centre-backs were playing it long over the top and it worked really well and then in the second half we played with the confidence of a team with a two goal lead against a team that's only scored 10 goals at home all season and that's something we would have been very aware of but in the first half we just got the ball wide as quickly as possible we got it over the defense as quickly as possible everyone was on it wilf wilf is but i mean against watford wilf was fantastic but i think he was better against wolves he's he's back to his old self and we will talk about Mateta and his, I, I I enjoy those people going, oh, Mateta, he, he scores shit goals. He's crap those goals, he scores. Yeah, he, he, I don't care what they like for artistic merit. But also that first goal, he made it himself. I mean, that was a brilliant centre-forwards header. Fantastic yeah. layoff. And deliberate as well. He was picked out. So, yeah, the, the first half was 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 it excellent. And the second half, we did what we had to do to win the game. I think Gaeta made one save, and that was one that hit him in the face. So it was a, a a proper professional Premier League performance, really. So it was, and it was a, it was nice to see.
1: Yeah, I think you're right about the second half. Actually, is is sort of as encouraging as the first half in terms of managing that. Um, well, you knew there'd be a Wolves onslaught, and there was for about the first ten fifteen minutes of the first half, but it sort of didn't really come to anything. Palace managed it, and then sort of saw out the rest of the game. I know, I know, Andy. Um, it is only it is. Well, I say it's only one game. It, it, it's it's the third of three very good results for Palace. Really, it, it's sort of a couple of weeks that really have probably saved Palace's season and um, probably defined Vieira's season so far. And obviously, I know that fans previously some, and probably many, still do have questions about Vieira, and that's that, that's understandable. As Dom said last week, as fans, it is our position to question the manager, and that's absolutely fine. But this did this game, and I guess this couple of weeks did feel a little bit like. It's coming together for Vieira in a very important time this season. And in fact, one of our listeners, Colin A. Squires says it was bound to take time for them to fully adjust to PV's way of playing. But gradually they're getting better and better. Another transfer window and I hope next season we'll see it coming all together. I mean, obviously, we do have questions later on about Europe. So some people are getting carried away and, and fair enough. But I guess in terms of the progression and transition from Vieira, this was a big couple of weeks and this was a big game in that in that progression.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's um, certainly for my money the, the best winning performance that we've had for a very, very, very long time and probably, you know, one of the best performances we've had for a very long time. I agree that actually it showed a pragmatism that we've not always had at times under Vieira this season. There have been times where we've had very ineffective possession and where we've not created chances. And I mean, the, the first goal was case in point, you know, very direct ball to... JPM, who, despite playing like he's always falling over, <laughs> does lay <laughs> off very well, that makes, despite always looking like he's a bit lost, makes a very good run into the near post <laughs> and um, then ends up with, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 an opportunity that no one is going to miss. Um, and, you know, there have been other matches this season where we tried to go front-back quickly but not actually done so effectively. And this was actually an instance where we did so repeatedly. Um, so that was good to see. I mean, uh, there's there's always a difficulty in reading too much in terms of overall trends in the team and how they're playing from one particular performance. Um, we need to build on that and perform to the same levels against, against other teams before, before you start saying it's indicative of a, of a transition or not indicative of a transition. But you know, I think you'd find difficulty in seeing any fault with that. That game overall, at all, uh, it was you know a fantastic first half performance. Managed out very well in the seconds, and deserved
3: winners. You talk, yeah. JD, you talk about questioning managers, and, and, it, and you're absolutely right. F- football fans will always question managers, and the Brentford performance and result was was poor. Let's face it. And there are times, even this year, when we've got points when you think we should have won the game. But yeah, you know, we could have had Frank Lampard as our manager. Yeah, you know, and Frank, how's he doing? How's he doing, Kevin? And you know, there's two managers this season. You know, Nuno was our first choice. We yeah. didn't get him, probably for the better. Lampard, I know he hasn't been in there long, but they were a basket case last night. I watched the Tottenham game. They're def- defensively, yeah. which are the things? that you, know, you everybody, every pundit, every footballer will say when a new coach comes in, it's the defense they sort out first. They get that right because they've got good players going forward, but they they. They just kept making the same mistakes over and over again last night. And they're in serious danger of being relegated. There's no two ways about it for Everton fans, and we're not. And I think what's important is that the the fact that we turned the Watford performance and the Wolves performance into wins. Was really important away from home. Where I'm beaten away from home this year, all uh, right, mainly draws, but those two this year, not this season, JD, I can see you working. I'm it trying out. to work it in out. Yeah, yeah, mental yeah, yeah, yeah. But this year, where I'm beaten away from home, uh, but turning those, what for the Wolves into wins is brilliant. And it gives you a spirit and it gives you the confidence that we are working in the right direction. And, and Again, as a lot of people point out on Twitter, there are always going to be little bumps in the road because we're. it's almost it's not an entirely new team, but it's close to it. And we're changing the way that we play football completely. So there are always going to be ins and outs, ups and downs. But it's it shows that we're on the right direction. And that when it works, it works really well. And Wolves, I know they had two poor results previous to us, but everyone was talking about Wolves getting into Europe a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> They were, you know, again, they're one of those teams that the media love. They're like Brighton. Everyone, you know, no one seems to have noticed that Brighton have lost four games in a row. They're can't
2: even, talk, can't even see them On the table Kevin Exactly
3: not even, not even Exactly They're How not even On guys? the top bit Of the table Which I took great pleasure In not mentioning To <laughs> Kieran Maguire I know it really annoyed Him more than it would have done it If I had done so <laughs> But everyone's still Talking about Oh Potter's the future Of English football And everyone's going Oh well Brighton played really well In those defeats But they lost They lost four games In a row Against not particularly Strong teams So yeah We have cause For optimism But it's too it's, Europe's not going To happen this season But you know That's It's, it's baby steps Let's see what happens with the transfer window and and with a, a full pre-season for Patrick next season.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, we said this on previous pods, or I think maybe on the post-its results will obviously be there, results to the facts, and they'll be there. And as you say, I'm beaten away. Not that I doubt you, Kevin, but I just Google it, double-check, and you're absolutely right. I'm beaten away this year. Um, and the facts will be there. But we know as fans that some of the games, you know, the cup, none of the cup games have been particularly convincing so far this year. And we know their performances haven't always been up to scratch, but results will say we are where we are and it it does look impressive. Um, Let's move on then quickly, Jack, because I think main talking point, certainly last few weeks and again this week, is is JPM up top, who did score again. And I said this on the post-match pod to um, JD Senior, that it feels like and we've been talking all season about the front line. Vieira doesn't know his front three. He doesn't know who to pick there. You know he's unsure about his front line. And actually, in the last few weeks, we have seen that settle down a bit. And now, Will Felice and Mateta do seem to be his first choice forward lines. And again, they were very effective. Uh, at the weekend and JPM scores a, a a well, I guess a well-earned goal you know he sort of as, as Kevin says set it up at the start of the, the, the move and then was there in the middle and creating the chance he actually had a shot off the keeper so I know some people are saying why didn't Wolf get the assist I think it's actually JPM has the shot and it bounces off and he sort of first Stuck another phase on yeah, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp online therapy relationships take work and a lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about we'll go out of our way to treat other people well but how often do we give ourselves the same treatment when you've got things like self-care therapy coaching the options are there my wife actually trained as a life coach recently and uh, it's been absolutely invaluable having her expertise in the house recently and as someone that's been in and out of counselling for the last five, six years, I can say from personal experience how helpful it has been. And this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of the most important relationship, the one you have with yourself. Whether it's hitting the gym, making time for a haircut or even trying therapy, you are your greatest asset. So invest the time and effort into yourself like you do for other people. Therapy is a great way to do that. And as I said earlier, being someone that's been in and out of counselling for the last six years or so, just sort of using it when I felt I needed to, when things get a bit too much, a bit overwhelming, being able to talk through what's happening in your life, the things that like making you frustrated or feeling overwhelmed with a professional um, is unbelievably helpful. And it's, it's amazing how quickly things can clear for you and you can start to see a bit of an easier path. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over two million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and FYP listeners get ten percent off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fyp. That's B E T T E R H E L P dot com slash fyp. There's a few questions here, and I guess this kind of shows where fans are divided. Pete Carter is says, um, "Is." Palopy. Is JP the luckiest striker we've ever had? He rarely scores cleanly and gets some wicked deflections. But on the flip side, Ricky B, hi, Ricky, hi, Ricky. says, is it time for the anti-JPM brigade to calm down? Even when he does well, there's a but that always gets thrown in. As Kevin says, Jack, he is continuing to notch. Oh, maybe you said it. Sorry. And As long as he's notching, I guess he's doing his job. Notch. Wow. Yeah, I, w- notch. I wouldn't have said notch. Didn't I would not say used... notch. I notch. No, no, I wouldn't use notching. a middle class
3: word like that that's yeah. <laughs> us yeah, so talking about archery of course yeah, or, or
2: bed posts <laughs> 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 um no I, I i look i've i've i have i was not convinced and and parts of me are still not convinced in terms of jpm's overall quality in terms of if you want to play this expansive brilliant brand of football is he technically good enough to do that job at the top of the pitch i have my doubts but right now he is scoring he's um the goal against Watford, we, you know, we talked about last week. I don't think Benteke takes that shot. I, I, I think he, you know, is in it to win it in that sense. And he, he wants to hit the target. He wants to get his shots off and he wants to score goals. Um, and that's his focus. And was that his fourth league goal? Fourth,
3: yep. Fourth,
2: third, I mean, no, third, third league third goal. League fourth, goal overall. fourth of it, the season. Is it? The, the third. Uh, he scored against God. Millwall, didn't he? He scored yeah. against Millwall. Yeah. yeah. Um, Norwich, uh, Norwich, Watford and uh and Saturday wolves. At wolves yeah, yeah, yeah so that, yeah. anyway three three premier league goals from a yeah. player that really only started playing at the end of december isn't isn't really a bad return at all um and yeah his his influence in that first goal in in terms of being the physical presence i, I, I do think despite his size he's not particularly capable in the air but he made enough of a Fussed to get in the way of Sice and um, and and you know as Addy said laid it off and 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 then made his move well up the pitch to be there to cause SAR issues and was there to tap it in um, and yeah he seems comfortable in the starting eleven as well he doesn't there doesn't seem to be any imposter syndrome about him he seems very content seems to have a good working relationship with with the other players so yeah. I, I, I think he will start um in, in the coming weeks I, I don't think uh we've seen enough from eduardo Benteke in that central position to to justify being to justify jpm being dropped for them it, it might be that maybe against man city Wolf goes centrally again um as he did against chelsea possibly to maybe mess with their ideal although how you mess with man city i don't really know at the moment um so yeah we'll we'll see but jpm yeah, he, he's certainly surprising a few and, uh, and continues to notch, as you say. Um, JD, just just didn't in the first bit, the one player I didn't mention who really deserved the mention was Geoffrey Schlupp, who yeah, yeah. um, had his best game of the season on on Saturday. And and as we've seen before, when given that avenue to drive through in that kind of inside left channel, is is as threatening as anybody. And uh yeah, Max Kilmer didn't stand a chance when when conceding that penalty and looked about as guilty as a defender will do this mm. season um when the referee blew his whistle. So yeah, he played really, really well. Um, and I know there have been some comments about um, his his position in the team. So, yeah, kudos to Jeff for, for what was his best performance of the season.
3: And the pass, by the way, well, we haven't mentioned the pass from Gallagher to Wilf, which is yep. a brilliant ball. Excellent. You, 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 there's two things about the luck. First of all, he's in the box for a start-off. He's close to goal, which is which is what you want from a striker. And if, if he gets lucky because of that, then that's fine. Napoleon always said, give me lucky generals. And he was Napoleon, great in the box. Napoleon was fantastic in the box. And he was he's great with the three corners on his hat as well. <laughs> but Napoleon always said, that's what he looked for in a general, was luck. Uh, you know, he didn't and get very far in Europe, though. He did eventually. It took a while, <laughs> but eventually he got he got fucked down and, and the whole of the rest of Europe ganged up against him. But I I don't think... I don't think Mateta will start on on Monday against Man City, to be honest. And over Christmas, when we talked about Mateta, when Wilf was away, we talked about the, our, who our best front three was. I, I was adamant. I was absolutely adamant that Mateta was was fifth, sixth in in the pecking order. I was you had, absolutely. You had, just, you,
2: you had yourself above him in the pecking. order.
3: I did. I was generally because he just he doesn't. He does look like a footballer. As I said, he looks like a footballer until the game kicks off, when he does, when he stops looking like a footballer. <laughs> but you can't argue with the fact that he's scoring goals. It's as simple as that. I, I, it would, right, as you said right back at the top, whether they're spawning or not, he's, he's in the ball. And also, to be fair, that first half, his link-up play in general was really good. Exactly. He was a, yeah. he was a yeah. really good target man in general. But I don't think we'll play the same way against City. And I think it'll be Mateta that... That sits it out, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad that we've signed him now, because he gives us another option on the bench. And I, again, that was something else that was indicated on uh, on Saturday, because you think, oh, Hughes is not starting. That's in slot. You wonder where he's going to fit. in. but as as Jack said, slot was magnificent. He was un- yeah. unplayable in that in that first half. So again, you think, well, these are players. That are squad players essentially Slut like Mateta Hughes squad players, but still really really good players, better than we've had in the first team in the past. So that was another reason to be encouraged on Saturday. Looking just looking
1: at the bench is is, yeah. is great definitely. I, I think actually lack of imposter syndrome might be Mateta's strong strongest quality potentially. <laughs> and I, I sort of say that as a compliment, weirdly, because um, right, he right sort of doesn't look like a footballer, but he is making things happen. And in fact, but also and- James, sorry
3: to interrupt. I, I don't know if Mateta's done this deliberately. But the whole kicking the corner flag thing endears him to a lot of Palace Cold. fans. Yeah, absolutely. It really, yeah, because cause he did it against Brighton and he does it since. And that really helps because, you know, fans will never have a go at him. Even those fans who tweet and and send us Questions about him. We'll never publicly ever go at him, and you can't. He's scoring goals. Well, you're saying his football fans are shallow and like gimmicks. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent. Of course, I think that's entirely. Have you read my book? I
2: mean, there's 260 pages. <laughs> I have it's indeed. You've, you've summed it up pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> he's also he's also wearing one of the coolest numbers in football. So the, yeah. for me, that that yeah. adds to it. You know, I just the, the package is you know it's a bit bit rough around the edges, but he's he's certainly playing his role. And if you compare him. To the alternative, which might have been Eddie Nketiah, I watched the last twenty minutes of well, of Arsenal Watford, Watford yeah. and he didn't do the job. He, he was he was asked to come on to. But I know he hit the post, but in terms of his link-up play, it was no worse. It was sorry, it was no certainly no better than, than what we've seen from from JP in the last few weeks. So yeah, as the weeks go by, that is looking a shrewder piece of business to get that deal done six months early.
1: I just start thinking of some more gimmicks my Sunday team. Maybe that would get me back more in the in the first team. Um, Andy, uh, uh, Kevin made a good point there, that, or maybe it was Jack. I'm really getting Kevin get me something.
3: Um, but I take that as a compliment, as he's thirty years younger than me. That's
1: I'm highly delighted. Brian's just making such a great point. Um, the fact about um, Jack's the one that
4: sounds like Brian Blessed after his voice coach.
1: <laughs> 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 That's right. That's right. Good. Gordon's alive. I told you. Um, right. Um, the the Benteke comparison about about it was about the, the goal at Watford. He doesn't take that. There was a there was an opportunity in the second half for Benteke as Palace broke, which was very similar. And he gets the ball in the box at his feet. He takes one touch, doesn't shoot, tries to take a second touch, third touch, gets tackled. Whereas I think JPM would have probably hit hit a scuffed shot by the by the second touch, may have gone wide, may have gone to keep his on, but he would have. Shot and that leads me on to a question from Dave at brighter skies. Hi Dave. Hi Hi, Dave. Dave. Um, Is Matetta's decision making better than Benteke's and is that why PV prefers the former to the latter? You can see why, Andy, when in the box, the fact that he does seem to shoot earlier than Benteke maybe it makes him a better forward option.
4: Uh, It makes a different option. I, I, I think, you know, we do sometimes come to these really quick snap judgments as fans where because someone's had an effective few games. We write the other guy off. He's not coming on and say there's no role for him. And we've now found our best team. And inevitably, that team's different in four weeks time. And there have been some injuries. Someone's fallen out of form. And someone's thrown an orange at the manager's head. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think you know. Ultimately, they're different players. Yeah, I, I, Mateta seems to play more on instinct. B- ben Teke, if you were going to say anything, very occasionally thinks clearly thinks a bit too much about what he's doing. You know, he seems to dwell on stuff because he's um, lacking in confidence at times. Um, About the only time you would say he does play just on instinct is when balls are slung into the box high and he's running onto something. Um, And I I would still maintain that he's better in the air than Mateta in those sorts of situations. Mateta's uh, hold-up play and link-up play in the air was good on Saturday, but I, I don't think he's the superior player in that particular aspect to him, but I mean, it's pretty clear that Vieira has a favourite out of the two, so in some ways, seeking to compare too much is probably a bit moot, because I don't think there's going to be much change in terms of which one continues to get starts and which one continues to be on the bench. I agree that I don't think, if I were to have to put my money on it, that Mateta will start against City. I would expect us to start with a similar sort of lineup as we did at the Etihad with Wolf, um playing as the, the sort of false nine, and trying to break extremely quickly against them. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you you know, you have to give credit to to Mateta. Um, When he's having a bad day, he honestly looks like he's won a competition to be playing on a football pitch (laughs) with 21 fellow professionals. And yet he keeps on popping up with very unlikely, slightly fortuitous goals. And if he continues doing that, then he'll continue to silence those of us who um, see a slightly different thing on the bad days. he
3: He looks like that on a good day. <laughs> but that, that, you, you can't that, tell the difference between his good days and his bad days. I mean, if, if you remember at half time at Millwall, we were all—all all of us—we got a petition up to get <laughs> it to Patrick to get him off because he was so poor. Then he crops up with a goal, but the, com- the confidence thing, Andy, is, is the nub of it. Because now Benteke never has never had the confidence. The last three seasons, he's not had the confidence of a man who's scoring goals every game. But now, every goal is so much more important to him. Every chance because he knows he's not number one. It's yeah, not the t- first choice, so he knows that when a chance comes to him, you know, Mateta... Bless him! Doesn't know any better. Mateta just swings a leg out, and because he's young and he's he's full of confidence and vim and, and vigor. Whereas Benteke, you can see him thinking about. it. You can see him thinking, "Oh Christ, I've got a score here. Is, is, I'm only going to get one chance." So that confidence thing, you know, if 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 by some chance Benteke got a start and scored three goals in two games, you'd expect the same in the next two games because he'd be full of confidence. But it's it's really hard, but, and it's it's really interesting that Mateta is so clearly his number one choice when. Yeah, we obviously Vieira knows more about football than we do because you know, you, you've, if you walk past him on the Sunday League pitch, you'd go, "That kid's like, he's tall, that six-year-old, isn't
1: he?" <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, clearly Benteke is not the notcher at the moment.
2: So. <laughs> oh my god, J, much, JD, so. I, I, I do think the club, following the experience of Amir Karic and Andy Dorman, should stop these competitions to let people play first team football.
1: <laughs> Amir like, Karic, wow, what a you've plucked a good one out there. He's
2: quite possibly the captain of my worst Palace Eleven yeah. to be honest. He got
1: subbed off. Norman upset like. me more because time. at least
4: Karrich at least Carich only got into the team maybe once or twice now. Fated Ipswich. Was it against Ipswich he played? He was alone from Ipswich. On loan for Ipswich. Yeah. He got oh, yeah, right. boarded, it, it, I think,
1: or something at time Yeah, was, he had yeah, like
4: literally one game where Dorman
2: seemed to get in the team for about ten weeks in a row at one point. Yeah, that was yeah. George Burley not yeah. knowing yeah. which yeah. way
1: was up. Yeah, that was not good. <laughs> anyway, well, we know which way is up because uh, it's on to part two. Oh, we're gonna take a quick break Gied up. There you go. <laughs> a little one too. <laughs> you're Wilf, I'm Mateta bang. I'm the notcher Um got us off. let's let's take a quick quick break. Come back, uh, winners and losers.
0: My brother in law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10 year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called Select Quote. Select Quote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year.
5: Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to Selectquote.com. Selectquote.com. That's Selectquote.com. Select quote. We shop, you save.
1: Welcome back to the Five Pam Podcast. Hey! Hard Pod 419. It's time for winners and losers. We're going to make this again available to the public this week. Um, public. Because the, public, the, the public. public. Hope you enjoy it, the public.
3: The <laughs> public. Here you are, everybody. Is a little present from Amersham for you?
1: <laughs> uh, it's normally patron only but we're feeling generous uh, this week after uh, a
2: win let's you know not yeah.
1: after it also because the post-match pod is, is me and JD senior so I just, I just think people get sort of sick of my voice really so um, but, but if you want to hear the post-match pods that's a terrible way of promoting the post-match pod <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, they are good I promise in fact actually JD, senior, <coughs> JD seniors had some brilliant feedback from patrons and listeners this week so do go listen for him because he was absolutely brilliant and I'm also on there um, at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast let's be Winners and losers. Uh, Kevin, let's come to you first for your winner. Uh, can it be non-Palace? Yeah. Well, yeah, why not? Let's see what happens. Well, my, my winner, uh, and
3: this this will give an indication as who my loser is going to be, but my winner is Thomas Tuchel for calling out Chelsea fans after the game on Saturday. Uh, in fact, I might as well reveal my loser now because my loser is the, the, the Chelsea fans who had 90 minutes to sing Roman of Ramirez's name and chose to do it during the, mo- the minutes applause for Ukraine I didn't know that uh, which I thought was shameful behaviour um, it wasn't all of them but it was a large number of them uh, as at Millwall as we discussed previously I thought that was poor from the Chelsea fans and I thought it was I thought it was great from Tuchel to, to call it out in the press conference afterwards and say it was unacceptable it's not what we want from Chelsea fans so I thought he uh, deserved a lot of credit for that. But... Well,
1: there was a nice moment before the game on, on Sunday where there was a, a minute's uh, silence or applause. I can't pause. remember. There was a, a, a pause for, um, uh, for the uh, people of Ukraine. And there was a guy in front of me who'd brought a Ukraine um, scarf, actually, and held it yeah. up. And it was a very nice moment. And I think, you know, fair play to that guy for doing that. Actually, Jack, I know that brings you on, actually, to your losers, actually, because I know who your losers are, this Chris. I probably should do that already. Because um, your losers are linked, linked to that in some way, aren't they?
2: Well, it's just the behaviour of certain fans and um, it it was FYP on the the Twitter feed that kind of made this public. But the stickers that appeared at Birmingham New Street and then uh, also at Molineux of um, along the lines of Palace don't welcome refugees or something along that horrible line and, uh, you know... It's just incredible, isn't it, really? At this time that there's somebody... I, I do understand that these are stickers that have been generated by a certain network and uh, there are different clubs that feature on these stickers. But the fact there is someone within the Palace away support who had these stickers on them and then you know, stuck them on uh, different parts of their journey... Uh, to to make a clear statement that Palace are against refugees couldn't be further from what the vast majority of Palace fans are thinking at this awful time. You know whether it's Ukrainian refugees or refugees from from anywhere in the world that that require refuge. I, I, I think Palace fans would uh, would stand. Well, against the notion that we are not in support of that, so um, I understand that they the guy who was distributing these was identified by some fans and there were words that were had, but you know, you dare say if he does that at Palace at Selhurst, there is CCTV, there is cameras at the ground, and and the club I won't tell what the club to do, I'm sure those at the club know what to do, but if there are stickers found at the ground, I hope the club are. Quick to identify that person mm. and um, and deal with deal with them appropriately, but yeah, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you know, if, if there's someone doing that, um, I, I doubt they didn't celebrate when Victor Moses, you know, the son of you know two murdered Nigerians who found refuge in this country because of religious persecution, didn't mm. celebrate his goals when he was tearing up in a palace shirt. Yeah. Um, and I add, it's just it just leaves a horrible, horrible taste in the mouth. And um, I'm, I'm glad FYP. Published it, and uh, the outpouring of uh, anger at seeing those stickers was was very strong by Palace fans, and um, and good to see and reassuring to see because that that attitude has absolutely no place at our club.
3: Yeah. Well, it doesn't ref- it doesn't reflect the club's attitude either. So no, know, absolutely. Or oh,
2: the the Palace, know, for Life, Palace for Life Foundation doing yeah,
3: exactly incredible I, work
2: with, with local I'm, refugees.
3: And I know, I know for Steve Parish has been in touch with Croydon Council and local groups to see what what the club can do, provide in terms of finances, maybe in terms of even space for people to come into the Bishop of Croydon has applied for Croydon to be given a Borough of Sanctuary status which comes with all sorts of financial help. So, you know, the, the people of Croydon, and of course, we know that because many people arrive in Croydon anyway because of the yeah, the immigration centre. So Croydon is a place for them. But, you know, these people are, not, these people are, are refugees. The people the foundation yeah. are working with, you know, they haven't got boots to play football with. You know, these, these are people who have fled their country. They, they haven't made a deliberate attempt to come here and take your jobs. Yeah. These are people fleeing Terrible, life-threatening circumstances, and that they're not. There's not millions of them, and it's it's human nature. Should we should be welcoming them? There's there's we should be helping these people, and I'm glad that as a club we will be doing that. And and Jack was right. These these stickers have been generated by. Uh, a far right group and distributed to various members you know they I suspect some of the people putting the stickers up aren't even football fans they're just you know but they 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 know they will get publicity from it yeah and unfortunately you have to let's face it you have to you know you only have to see the behavior of some of the palace fans at Watford we're not we've got some feral fans out there. Yeah, we're a, a, a working-class South London club with a home base. Yeah, you know, we've got 25,000 fans. Some of them are going to have views that we don't like. Yeah. But luckily, most Palace fans don't agree with those views and the club certainly doesn't. So uh, that's yeah. why I, that's why I thought Tuchel was really good to distance the club from the those Chelsea fans. Again, it wasn't all the Chelsea fans. And again, it's sometimes difficult and scary for other Chelsea fans to tell them to stop... To stop booing, you know, to stop doing that, to stop chanting Abramovich's name because they are, some of them are scary people. But it's important that the the clubs in general, you know, stand up and say, no, that's not good enough.
2: That's where the club had the responsibility, isn't it, Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. Stand up and do it. And you're right. Tuchel's words were were welcomed and and right. He was spot on. And to see that, he didn't do that. In the post-match conference, he didn't need four or five days for the club to get yep. their their kind of ducks in a row. That was yep. that was his instinctive reaction um, on the day. So that was very good. Um, and uh, yeah, to see the support that the kind of football community, you know, what that's worth in the in the greater scheme of things, who knows? But it, it's good to see the the, the uniting of, of fans in in terms of supporting and uh, again to see Alexander Zinchenko um, before the Manchester derby. Feeling very emotional to see the support yeah. that he and his countrymen are feeling is, is heartwarming. But obviously, there's so much more to do than than just applause at a football match. Yeah. yeah.
3: Although you, you know, Southampton's very high on the list of clubs I really don't like. So I was really annoyed that people were giving them credit. Oh, Southampton are wearing a special Ukraine kit against it's their awake that's it's their, awake a, shirt. That's, that's norm, <laughs> their normal awake it they've got a yellow and blue awake it i know go, oh, southampton brilliant well done no that's awake
1: <laughs> uh, i know that some, we have our comments in the past and people saying that uh, we don't want the pod to get too political but for me this isn't a political m- m- uh, thing this is compassion this is basic human compassion which for me overrides everything and i'm yeah. glad to see that people have pretty avoided. difficult
4: not to get political when people are having their homes blown up
1: mate well exactly 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 well said, ben elton <laughs> <He's put> the... <laughs> uh, uh, I was right. going to go
2: young Elvis Costello with those glasses but yeah <laughs> you know. Say, is
1: that the glasses or left wing comment I guess it's a bit of both <laughs> isn't it um, let's well, move on young, I...
3: young Elvis Costello like, like now Elvis Costello is a really contrary commudgingly
1: argumentative so yeah. probably that's, a so that's about a right. <laughs> <like me>. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, bang on. Um, I don't think we need any more losers this week. To be honest, I think that I think that's uh, that's enough for us this week. So let's move on to winners. Andy, will come to you then for your winners this week.
4: Um, uh, flipping those subjects on their head, um, both incredibly important and worthy. I actually saw an awful lot of Palace fans pushing back on Twitter against the. Uh, still stickering. And I th- thought that was actually quite encouraging to see. Yeah. It was, it was almost entirely and exclusively criticism of those who are putting them up. So, I mean, I think that needs to be, to be uh, yeah. referenced yeah. and um, yeah. credit given for it. And then in addition, you know, notwithstanding one particular set of fans, nearly every other set of fans stood in support and solidarity of um, the awful situation in and Ukrainian, Ukrainian people and Ukrainian players and Ukrainian refugees. And, um, every other cause by uh, what happened before the matches and during the matches on Saturday and on Sunday. So I, I think, you know, well done to all the clubs, well done to the league. You know, it, it's very easy to fall back on the no politics in, in football thing, but sometimes there are more important things at play um, than sticking just to perceived objectivity. So well done to the Premier League, well done to all the clubs, well done to all of the fans. Um, it may not change anything, but it's the right thing to do, and I hope it continues. Great
1: yeah well said and i know like some people sometimes there there was a player in uh portugal i think played for benfica was ukrainian who was given the armband when he came onto the pitch and um you know he's clearly very emotional with it and a lot of people were in the stands as well and and i think sometimes people it's quick to say that these gestures are kind of open sort of empty and sort of meaningless sometimes but actually i think they do mean a lot and i think symbolism is important i think in these moments so um yeah i can only echo what andy says there um should we take a break actually and move on I think actually for this winners and losers section um, I think that's been quite an important chat and I think uh, let's not spoil it with any other winners or losers uh, regardless of Palace let's move on uh, because we've got plenty of questions to get through in part three so take a quick break and come back in a minute
5: Estás atrapado en el tráfico, pero luego hay una recompensa para ti. Una modelo, la marca de los luchadores. Mantienes la calma a pesar de las bocinas, las largas filas y los gritos. ¡Muévete! Así que al llegar a casa, sírvete esta dorada y refrescante lager. Porque tú sabes que tu paciencia vale oro. Tú eres un luchador y esta es tu recompensa. Modelo, la marca de los luchadores. Todo con medida importada por Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
6: When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best, Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, Or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But Executive Chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at OrlandoForBusiness.com.
1: part three of the five-year plan podcast pod 419 and it's time for questions we have got loads and loads and loads of questions the question that we're probably getting the most not just this week but i would say the last couple of months is kevin regarding your piece of paper and finally you are back on (laughs) (laughs) i've not been asking them because you've not been here now i can ask them so here we go uh croydon exile says where is hello quinn where is kev's piece of paper Roy P.N. Hello, Roy. Um, That's Roy. Hey, Roy. That is Roy. Uh, Roy. Surely, Kevin's piece of paper is now consigned to the Porson's Arms recycling bin. Kevin, give us an update on the bit of paper.
3: I I think technically I am the Porson's Arms recycling bin.
1: That's the worst (laughs) nickname ever.
3: (laughs) Nothing. I I empty most of the bottles before they go into the bin. Um, I I, I have to be honest here. Um, After the... uh, Halftime at the Norwich game, I was I was contemplating the piece of paper. Brentford, I thought, oh, another bad result. I might have to I might have to seriously think about the piece of paper. But no, the, the piece of paper, which is lucky given the cost of living at the moment, that there I don't have to buy a piece of paper. Uh there is no piece of paper. Officially there will be no piece of paper needed this season, which is the first season we've ever been in the Premier League. That I haven't done my piece of paper. I haven't put down all the fixtures for Palace and the teams are below us. And ticked them off and added the points up. We don't don't need it. We're safe. I can't see any situation in which I generally can't. I know I sound like I sound like Andy Street of old here. He Used to trot out the stats and the the <laughs> the, the bookies odds. But now it's there's, there's, it's not just the way we're playing. It's just there's, there's too many teams between us. Yeah, with, you know, with seven points ahead of Leeds, for example, you know, and however many ahead of Everton and the bottom. The, I think the bottom three at the moment are probably the three that will go down. I don't see any. I can't see any way that Norwich and Watford cut. And also, well, having said that, yeah, people said we beat a terrible Watford team. They they had just beaten Villa away, and then got a point at Old Trafford, so yeah. they're not they're not a basket case for a team. But I can't see any way that Norwich and Watford. Will will go down. Will stay up, rather. And I, I think Burnley have probably got too many games to play and too many points to catch up. Although Burnley, Watford, and Everton have all got to play each other, so that will be interesting. I think the interesting question is what with uh, Watford keep Roy Hodgson to try and get them back into the the Premier League. Or whether Roy's got the appetite for it, he doesn't. He doesn't cut a happy figure on the touchline at the moment, Roy, and you can't blame him. But I, no. he looks like, he looks like a man. Who's probably desperately worried that this is gonna be his his legacy, his relegating Watford. But I I th- I think we're fine and I think we deserve to be fine. I think if we can finish 10th, or maybe even ninth, then I think that'll be a really, really good start to Vieira's career. And I know people say, well, yeah, we finished twelfth, thirteenth, and we, we we sort of we do it in a different way. So now there's no piece of paper.
1: I I, I mean, if Rory does stay next season, that means he'll have been there longer than six months, which of course is against what for club policy. So that's That's very much why we do to be doing that. Um, (laughs) Speaking of stats... Uh, we had a question from Rune, uh, Hi Rune. HDK, Hi Rune. Rune, uh, which simply says, are we safe? What is the percentage for avoiding relegation? I've actually done some research into this, and I think Andy can back this up. And according to 538.com, which I think is kind of the go-to place for relegation stats, Palace have 1% chance of getting relegated. And they That's have incorrect. First... <laughs> oh, it's what a less it, than then? 1% chance of less getting relegated. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't far off then. It's not miles off. It was um,
4: is, is zero the same as one, JD?
1: Well, it's not. It's not a million miles. The zero away is uh, away. less
4: than one percent chance, but a one percent chance is <laughs> yes, this isn't, infinitely
1: this isn't, higher than a zero. This, well, this isn't a. This isn't a zero percent chance, though, is it? This is in between zero and one. So, I and mean, you always round Correct. up. Correct. You always <laughs> round up. So we'll go with one. All right, well, no, you I don't. Dave, want...
4: If it's not point four, you wouldn't round up to one.
1: No. I Do and that's what I tell uh, HMRC, okay. And that's we just stick with it. We just stick with it. No, Um, you don't want to round up what you do at HMRC. That's where I've been going wrong. (laughs) That's why my expenses are so small. Um,
4: HMRC rounding up to the nearest million quid. (laughs) I actually only earn 10 quid, but I round up from 10 to a million. I owe you a hundred thousand
1: pounds. Um, they also this 538 uh, website also predict points for the end of the season. And Andy, I'm sure you're going to tell me I'm wrong again with this, but it looked like uh, uh, 45 points or something like f- between 45 and 46 points. Is that right? 46. Yeah. I've actually got it open on the screen. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> of course, Yes. Um, so that, I mean that Andy percentage wise, and I know obviously you are someone that looks at the stats and stuff that as that puts palace and Kevin's paper or non-paper this season in a pretty safe position, doesn't it? Yes. It's your yeah. fault, JD, for I mean, asking I know I know, I
4: know, I know. I just have to look at him, but just look at him.
3: That doesn't it? You sure. missed
4: this, haven't you? This, this, I've not been on since Christmas. And you have really missed this asking very sloppy and closed questions that I will give a single word answer to. I can tell. <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, so much so. So much. So anyway, yes, we're, we're saying people be don't have
4: that. to worry. Don't I don't think... even bother turning up to the league games for the rest of the season. There's no point. <laughs> we're not making <laughs> Europe. We're not going down. It's done. You might see some okay football, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Just go to the FA Cup quarter final and be done with it.
3: I think we'll probably start we, we could start with 33 points, to be honest. Yeah, I think possibly. I, I I think we probably got enough already, but we will get we will get more.
1: We will, we will. It's it's actually the kind of scenario we've been asking for for quite a while. Sort of comfortable, yeah. a cup run and a comfortable end to the season. And actually, we've we've got it now, and it's sort of very very quickly sort of uh, come around the corner. Speaking of corners, magic three CPFC, <laughs> magic. You know, magic three CPFC, hello magic. Um, I love Magic's tweets because they're always followed by loads of red and blue emojis. Which In fact, last week he put something like, "Are we uh, something really depressing?" Question like, "Are we starting to really question Vieira's?" run form. Love the pod. Heart red. Heart, heart, heart. heart. great. I just love it. Anyway, it's, but, um, is the corner looking bright for Super Pat? Love the pod as standard. Uh, yes, I think we uh, have already answered that magic, but thank you very much for your tweets. We love seeing them. Um, let's move on to something else, Jack. Uh, uh, two people here. Roy, uh, sorry, Ray, and I'm going to get Ray's last name wrong again. i do it every time. Kalinalskas, I think that's right. Is Hello, that Ray. Ray. Hi, Ray. Hi, Ray. And Paul Deason. Hi, paul. Hello, paul. Paul. i've both referenced that at the weekend on soccer saturday well paul has said merson but i think it might have been jeff stelling uh i said that uh, michael lee has a 35 million pound release clause do we know if this is true seems a paltry amount relatively speaking and i think there was another question i apologize i lost it who said give that man a new contract with a bigger release clause <laughs> that was me that was <laughs> that was me. you okay was there we me. go surely that has to be if this is true that has to be Palace's next step, because he has worked his way into that first team in the last few months.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I, was, when I first saw this, I thought, how would Jeff Stelling know? Then I realised that he was in the boardroom four weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, quite possibly would have had conversations with the pals that be at Palace. I, I, I The answer is we don't know if there is a, a release clause for sure. All, all that I would think on that is that he had one at Reading, Um, and you would think it would be his agent and his preference to have also a clause at whichever club he'd gone to after Reading. And um, I I don't think it's unfair to say that Michael Lisset probably has ambitions far greater than Crystal Palace. Um, And at the moment, it's displaying technical ability that would suggest that one day he may will find himself playing for a club with a bigger profile than Crystal Palace. Um, If the release clause is currently around, say, 30 to 40 million, then one of the key bits of business in the summer for, for the club, if it's not already being worked on, is to negotiate a new contract and put him on, a much higher wage and to ensure that the uh, clause is of a greater value than 30 to 40 million, because that, that guy is worth a lot of money given his age and his, and his ability way beyond what is 30 to 40 million. I think Alex Awobi went for 35 million pounds two years ago. So if we're talking about that ballpark, um, then the Michael Lisa is on a different planet um, to, to that. So I, I would think that the club are working on that. I think he's performed at a significantly higher level than he uh it could have been anticipated i think the jump from championship to premier League is is very high um and some players do take time to acclimatize but um his performances and also his output in terms of the the kind of goal involvement that he's had um, has been exceptional he is in the first team now i, I think um we, we've seen that since jordan I.U.'s has come back from afcon uh, michael elise made that slot on the right hand side his um and uh, for, for all those reasons i think a new contract would would be due and it's in the club's interests in in terms of um achieving the the true value of a player that palace went in on took a bit of a gamble on but it's looking like a very good gamble um and uh yeah that that's that's the way i see it but the, the problem is if there is a clause in it and a club comes in before a new contract's agreed what happens in that situation is it then up completely up to michael lesay to decide that he wants to stay at palace for a little bit longer, are the clubs hands tied? I, I don't know. If, if only we had someone with legal expertise to, to advise us on that one.
3: Well, there'll probably be uh, there'll Heavy. probably be a there'll, <laughs> well, no there'll probably be a time limit on the yeah on the release clause. The release clause will kick in after a certain amount of time. Not
2: oh okay, it's not maybe have, not active right away.
3: I wouldn't have thought so. Andrew would probably know better. Okay. But you you've you've answered your the The question you asked yourself there, Jack, as well, Elise had been fantastic his his touch, that chance he had at the end, mm. the shot the little mazy run the, the control with the outside of his left foot was was superb, but he's probably been better than we thought and got into the first team much quicker than we thought. So when we got in for Reading, when he was nineteen,
2: yep.
3: at a championship club, no real idea how good he could be. If there was a release clause and then then 35 million quid to me sounds quite reasonable Mm -hmm. for an unproven teenager at a championship club. It's And it's only now that he clearly has got Premier League quality. But even so, I don't think he's I don't think he's played nearly enough games in the Premier League for a top four club to go. We we want to say he's better than anything we've got, to be perfectly honest. But yes, he's certainly a player we want to keep, without a doubt.
2: I just wonder if they would yeah. take the shot now. If if the clause was active now, Kevin, would they say let's pay thirty five now rather than sixty million in two years' time? And if thirty five million pounds doesn't work out, the you know there probably would be an Everton that would, that would take yeah, yeah. him thirty five million pounds two years later. I, I don't know, um, but he uh, he's he's about as exciting as it gets. Ian Wright called him the future of Crystal Palace yeah, the day the night. so that that's high praise from from a Palace legend.
1: Yeah, well, considering I'd, this yeah. is
2: what we thought we'd be getting for Meza as well.
1: Yeah. I haven't you know, even mentioned should, that guy yet. Should, I don't know, yeah. know. Well, would you like to, because we had a couple of questions about him. Uh, one of them from uh, our regular listener, Spoonbill McHumpty. Hello, Spoonbill. <laughs> Spoonbill. We do need to get an origin on that name at some point. Um, who said, um, Edward and Eze, unused again, does it show the strength of our squad that we don't need to call on them? Or does Fiera see something in training with these guys that means he can't rely on them? And then Rob McCormack Carpentry. And we give him Rob, Rob a little Rob. shout out for his business there. Um, should have be worried about Edward will up sticks and leave given lack of playing time. I'm worried we bought this gem for a good price, but he might bugger off, says Rob. <laughs> can um, we get, sorry,
3: JD, can we get Andy's take on the Elise contract first? Oh, though,
1: the... Well, we'll get to do that. And then, I'll, I, and then if Andy can then carry on and answer the question about Edward and Eze as well, that'd be great. Well,
4: which question you want me to answer first? If you're going to ask compound questions
1: here, you need to <laughs> oh, delineate it. Elise the clause uh raise clause what was the question Uh, there kevin
4: i I don't know i've not read his contract it's the the short answer um in in a hypothetical typical situation uh on contracts i have seen and advised upon um i mean you could draft it both ways i mean you, you can have a release clause that isn't effective for the first year if that's what you want to negotiate and agree i'm sure there are contracts with that in Is the player then obliged to leave upon um, uh, a a, a, an offer being made that is within scope of the release clause? I hate people who say trigger a trigger a clause. You don't trigger clauses. Um, No, you know it's then a matter for the player himself if if he wants to negotiate terms or not with with that club. so answer the
1: question? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Can I just jump in though? Because surely there is an argument that's But that's
4: yeah. all hypothetical, of course, because I, I haven't read my Lise's contract and <laughs> I don't know what's in there and I don't purport to have any inside knowledge of what's in contract. I,
1: that's fair enough. Um but, but at but Elise is 20. Uh, as Kevin said, and joined us at 19. Gay, he has been fantastic at a few questions about him as well. He's only 21. And I know people are starting to maybe get a little bit itchy about whether they leave soon or whatever, but I think it would be in both those players' interests, hopefully, to at least stay for at least another one, if not two years to continue their development. Um, And he's gone. Wow. The, uh, the, the release clause question was obviously a question too far. Um, But anyway,
3: you know know why he's gone? It's because he's ashamed of himself uh, because a high powered lawyer, doesn't know the details of Michael Lise's <laughs> contract, but Jeff Stelling somehow does. Somehow the little old bloke the little old bloke who hosts the football show does know the details. But the, the, the top lawyer, to England's top contract lawyer doesn't know.
1: He was getting a phone call from Jeff Stelling at that point. And that's why He had to leave. <laughs> Move on. We were just flagging you off. It's fine. Um, we'll move on. JD, just about
2: Mark Gay, uh, Gareth Southgate in attendance on Saturday.
1: Oh, um,
2: rumored to be there to be looking at Max Kilman, but there was only one English centre half that's worth his place in the squad. Come the end of March for friendlies against Switzerland and uh, Ivory Coast, I would say, and his name is not Max Kilman. Yeah. The only point
4: I would make about transfers generally is um, actually when you look at the talent pool that uh, the very very elite clubs are fishing in. It's typically not mid-level Premier League clubs generally that they're signing from. That does occasionally happen, but generally it's not. And that probably makes logical sense, given they've got the entirety of the world to fish in and get the best talent from. Um, And there aren't actually all that many clubs between that grouping and Palace. So, I mean, some of these players will have a bit of a reckoning to to have with themselves if they want to take a step up where they go, whether or not there is an intermediate step between, say, a Palace and a Chelsea or Man City. And then whether or not, you know, one of those clubs will ultimately want to come in for them ultimately because they're just performing well for for Palace. We have uh, a a relatively high-profile attacking player who's been quite consistently involved in our history over the last 10 years who had one move out to a big four club and then has not had a subsequent move despite performing very, very well for Palace. It's it's one of those quirks of um, English football now that clubs in Palace's position have players who you know, earn a certain amount that they're not going to be going overseas generally because the talent pool, the, the the pool of clubs who are interested in those sorts of players is very very limited and
3: there's only a certain number of squad spots at a, a very very top team. Hmm. Gay on the gay he does, he seems to be thriving on, with the captaincy. Yes, he seems to really have taken the responsibility on on board and I'm wondering whether Wolf not being captain has helped him as well. Because he seems, he just seems to, his shoulders just seem higher. He just seems, he's back to the wolf that we, we've known and loved on not that many occasions in the past three or four seasons. He's looking like he's really enjoying his football. Yeah. And Gay, looks like a natural captain as well. Gay, yeah, definitely, which is, a I mean, captain,
4: yeah. can, uh, his age, to be uh, performing as, in as accomplished manner, both yeah, yeah. As a manner, but has a centre back, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, you know, how often do you see centre backs of his age performing to that level in yeah. the Premier League? and also performing as a leader. It's, he is absolutely remarkable.
3: Yeah. Well, do you know what, as well? <clears throat> we, we've talked sp- certainly early, early early on in the season about how it's all very well having football in centre-backs, but I'd like to see centre-backs, centre-backs. It's noticeable against Watford and against Wolves. Defensively, they've really, you know, they've, they've still got the, the footballing ability. They've still got the ability to pass the ball and control the ball. But defensively, they're much, much stronger. And a couple of times against Watford where Anderson just went for the header off the pitch option, just went for the clearing option rather than taking a touch, looking up. Because sometimes getting rid, even in the modern game, is is the right thing to do. And I think I think they've learned that in the past three weeks. I think defensively, they're as good as centre-back pairing. You know, when you think in previous seasons, we've, you know, Cahill's great player, Scott Downs, great player. But then, yeah we've been talking about you know, Cahill Tompkins, Dan, in, in previous seasons, where, and maybe Kelly. Uh, that's been the argument, which are those four? And now we've got two centre-backs who I would say are better than any of those four, without a doubt. Cahill, yeah, a better, more traditional centre-back, but I think we've got two outstanding centre-backs there. And again, I grudgingly have to accept that Someone at the club may have done a good... <laughs> so whoever it is, is helping Dougie Freeman. I'd like to thank him. Brenda the money. tea lady. What a, what, a,
2: what, a, what a mind she has.
3: Like <laughs> a steel trap, Brenda's...
2: I think Mark Gay, obviously, with the armband, is getting a lot of comments at the moment, and absolutely rightly so, but um, we, we are seeing currently Anderson's best spell in the Palace shirt yeah. at the moment. Yeah. He, yeah. Is, yeah. he is right at the top of his game as well. Um, so the two of them together... You know, if they maintain their fitness, that's the core part and a key part of the team. So if they stay fit, Palace will be in a much better place um between now and season and, and yeah, just Mark Gay, I, I think there's a distinct chance he will get a call up um for the for this um set of friendlies coming up. Perhaps the only risk of that is that he might to disrupt the campaign of the under-21s where he is captain. Yeah. But in, in in terms of November, December for the World Cup, I think Gay's in a great chance of being named in that squad because a centre-half for me week on week we are seeing that the English centre-halves just are not Mm. playing brilliantly I mean Harry Maguire's assist for Man City second goal the other day was absolutely top quality it's fantastic um, (laughs) yeah there's a there's a place if Mark Gay wants it and carries on playing I I think Gareth Southgate will be very interested in calling up sooner rather than later
3: and what happens Jack when Ward is fit again if he is by the end of the season is he getting back in the team ahead of Klein? it's going to oh
1: my god We've managed to go a few weeks without talking about Joel Ward. No, I, I think Kleine,
2: uh that's his shirt, to be honest. Yeah. I, I think I, I you you cannot, um, in this current run of form, um, take that shirt away. As, as much as I love Joel Ward and as much as the Palace fan base love Joel Ward, um, Kleine's uh, run in the team recently has been a pleasant surprise. I, I didn't think he'd be able to play at the high standard he has with the quick succession of games. Um, so uh, all credit for him. And and that's his shirt for the time being, for, for sure.
1: Yeah. I, he's been good. Um, but look, let's leave the Edward slash SA questions. Cause I'm sure they'll come up again next week or in, in future weeks. Um, but let's talk about someone Jack, that you touched on really quickly in part one. And that is Je- Jeff Schlupp, who I think yep. possibly had his best, Best game in a paler which is exactly what Leaf Anderson's forehead has <laughs> asked Leif. us, hello Leif. Leif, on Twitter. Schlupp, best game in a Palace shirt. and then our own, our own, our old friend uh, Spoonbill has said, uh, Schlupp justified his selection <laughs> at the weekend. He was tough and industrious in midfield and it gave Gallagher the chance to get involved more. Um, Schluppy was absolutely excellent, Jack, wasn't he? In that in that midfield three, um, the drive for the penalty, but there were numerous other examples of him doing that. Yeah. I mean, he was one of the reasons that I think Palace were able to not just only keep the pressure on, but, but do the quick turnovers. Number of times he stuck his foot out and won the ball back for Palace. He was absolutely superb. And again, you're talking about Klein making that shirt his own. Schluppy surely has made that shirt his own.
2: In the short term, for sure. I mean, I, I wasn't particularly impressed with Schlupp against Burnley. I, I think he probably was um, right for a substitution about 25 minutes before he actually um, did get hooked. But yeah, no, his performance on, on Saturday was was superb. And when, when he does drive forward, he makes our front three a front four because of how quickly he gets into that that penalty error and we've seen it before that in front of goal he's 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 quite proficient. He you know I think he had trials at Manchester United when he was younger as a striker. So there's a guy who's comfortable in that part of the pitch. Um but yeah he he was really good. Um I, I think there may have been a question as to whether he was starting if James MacArthur had, had not failed a fitness test on on Saturday. So you know when when fortune's on your side as it seems to be uh, with Palace on Saturday that that Schluck was the right man for that match um then then all credit needs to be taken in for taking his opportunity uh he's got uh previous against man city he scored at the etihad a few years ago uh, uh yeah I, I think he may well start on on, uh, on monday um maybe keeping Maka out of the team if macca is back and available um that left foot on the left side is is a good balance.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh he he does his job going back the other way as well. Yeah. So yeah, when 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 Schlapp is on form, yeah. I, I think he's absolutely excellent. Um it's just the last few months or so. I I think he's maybe been in second or third gear a little bit, but when he's on form, he is he's very, very effective.
3: Because also <laughs> he's a good tackler, as you said, but also because he's got a Bit of defensive now mm. gives Mitchell that little bit of confidence to, to overlap on occasion. So yeah. Wolves didn't know which way to turn basically because it wasn't Schlupp going past them, it was Mitchell mm. yeah. going past them with Sloppy dropping a little bit deeper. So that's it. I'll be I'll be really interested to see what happens on, on Monday because I suspect that if if Mac is fit, he'll play he'll play Macca. I, uh, but I again comes back to what we we're talking about before. We've got a squad to discuss. Yeah. First time, first time in in years. Yeah, we we've, we've probably last season we probably thought yeah we've got fourteen mm. to discuss, which was which was great, which was an improvement on eleven. And now <laughs> and now you're talking you're talking seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, eighteen yeah.
2: man squads. Every eight, eight, match day eight, eight, looks, looks packed. Yeah. yeah,
3: two 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 first class goalkeepers for the yeah. first time in a long time. Yeah. Cup, you know, no right-back cover until Ferguson's fit, but cover in every position otherwise. And and a lot of options for tactical changes as well. For, you know, we can pick different midfields, different front lines, and, and that's a, a luxury that other managers... Haven't had, as Roy Hodgson said very loudly and longly after after the after the Watford game, basically. So, you know, happy days. And
2: just in terms of Mitchell going forward, I, I think he may well have caught Southgate's eye as well on on Saturday. I think there's a uh, maybe a bit of a gap in terms of fullback options with Chilwell being injured, Kieran Trippier being injured, and, and two friendlies against Switzerland and, and Ivory Coast. the perfect chance to to maybe look at a few. Um, a few newbies. So, uh, yeah, Tyreek Mitchell, again, also in with a chance of of an England call-up, possibly too. And given his form of the last few weeks, it would be very well-deserved.
1: Yeah, he's been excellent, actually. And in fact, I should say, Mike Phillips, one of our listeners, has said, is there a case to be made for Gahey, Mitchell, Elise Gallagher, or getting senior England call-ups? I mean, to be honest, if they keep doing... That have been playing. Uh, uh, El- Elisee uh,
2: Elise may decline it given his uh, <laughs> given previous. He's... I think yeah, there, there's something. to But what's the Lise that he
1: be, he's he played for France?
2: Played for France under 18s, but uh, Nigeria and Algeria are also making very strong. Um, I don't know what the word is really. Overtures. Nice. Overtures. No yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that is the appropriate football cliche. Yes. Making uh, very strong, very, very strong uh, representations to Elise and, um, and his. And he has got, yeah, four options in terms of who he wants to declare for um, internationally, but has previously played for French youth teams.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Well, we will find out that very soon. We'll also find out uh, what you guys think about Palace's next game, which is a home to Man City on Monday night. So we'll take a quick break and come back and preview that. Back to the Five Podcast. We pod 419. We're a three-man pod now. Kevin has had to go and uh do a apparently a more important podcast for the Brighton fan. I just, I just, it's <laughs> unacceptable, really. Um, but there we go. Uh, so we've got Man City at home on Monday night, horrible kickoff time of 8 p.m., which is absolutely awful. Um, and it will be a difficult game, Andy. Obviously, it'd be a very difficult game, but. I mean, before the Watford game, we'd only won one game away all season, and that was at the Etihad uh, against Man City. Uh, they were very good at the weekend against Man United. Although we know United have got their own problems, but there has been a few games City recently where they have stumbled a little bit. But we know this is going to be a, a difficult game for Palace. I know you guys all alluded to whether you think probably Benteke maybe starts this game ahead of Mateta. But what else are you expecting from from Palace on Monday night against uh, against City?
4: Um hopefully a carbon copy repeat of the performance at the complete <laughs> completely the same score. Yeah, it's phenomenally difficult, isn't it? That the, the, They are the best team in the world for my money. Um, Tactically supreme, individually brilliant, um, absolutely lethal. Don't let you have the ball a lot of the time. Uh, so, anything from the game would be fantastic. Palace were actually really, 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 really very good at the attack earlier in the season. It wasn't the same game as when uh, Palace had a couple of smashing grabs against City uh, a few years ago. Um, so one smashing grab against City a few years ago when um, they were extremely fortunate. Palace were deserved winners in uh, October against City. So if they can play as efficiently on the break as they did that day, who knows? That's why I suspect that Vieira and his staff will look at that game and say, well, you know, Wolf has nine worked so well there, let's go with it again um certainly i think he, he he as the spearhead gives a far quicker counter than any of the other options that that we would potentially have up there so i could see him you know at least say on one side maybe even potentially jordan i the other to give a bit of um defensive cover in the same way that uh he did at the air had. so yes and anything from that game is a massive bonus that's another football cliche for you
1: brilliant well done um I did say, Jack, that they they stumbled a bit recently. I've just checked their, their fixtures. They lost to the Spurs a few weeks ago. They drew Southampton in February. Before that, they had one defeat, defeat in 15, and it was all wins. Yeah, uh, that, you're a harsh critic. Yeah, <laughs> a very harsh critic. Yeah. I guess it was maybe it was the Spurs game that was playing on my mind, because that was a, a bit of a shock, really, given how actually terrible Spurs were at the time, and they, they still were very inconsistent. Well,
2: um, so they're dreadful one week, amazing the next week. That's just the uh, the Spurs way at the moment. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I... I've, Look, they, they are an exceptional team. There, there's no two ways about it. I think a lot of the post-match coverage on Sunday was was about Man uh, Man United. Uh, I think using Roy Keane in the studio the way they did meant there was no other way for that. And um, we kind of just ignored how City played. But, I mean, City's ball retention is insane. I think I think they had 90% of possession for a 15-minute period when in control of the game. Um, and if you do that, there's very little chance for the opposition to impact the scoreline. So... As Andy says, anything from this game on Monday would be an absolute bonus. Um, the results in previous weeks do take the pressure off us in the, the sense that we're not looking over our shoulder, um, but they are an exceptional team. I think uh, Kevin De Bruyne is just about reaching maximum at the yep. moment, which yeah. is not ideal for Palace, but he was sensational on Sunday.
1: We need put Jason Punchman to come on the pitch somehow and just chop him down.
2: That 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 still feels to me like a, a fever dream. That last five minutes of that <laughs> yeah. home game against City a couple of years ago, when Luca missed the penalty and Jason Punchin practically ended his career trying to stop a counter attack. I can't remember how that counter attack even finished. You know, I know they didn't score, but I couldn't tell you how that how that did finish. But uh, yeah, look, if if we are in in the. In with the shout of taking a point on on Monday or even three, then there will be some absolutely superb performances, just like as Andy said, there were at the Etihad earlier in the season. Um but it's nice to be going to this fixture with with the possibility of completing our second double in consecutive weeks. That would be a pretty good turn up if we if we did the double over Man City, that that would be something to write home about. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't got much hope of a result given just how imperious City are at their best and they do seem to be playing very well at the moment.
1: I mean, that, w- that would be season done. See, it would be a season-defining result, and that would be absolutely... We, we could the, just celebrate. The only
2: worry I have about what, the point earlier that you and Kevin were making that we don't need to play another game is we we are deducted three points for not turning up to games. So <laughs> if we don't turn up for the last 10 or nine games, we, might be we would end trouble. up on about six points. So, yeah, just slightly concerned
1: about that. Uh, I guess under the lights at Celos on Monday, you know, funny things happen, don't they, evening games at Celos. So you never know, but, but it's going to be obviously a very, very difficult game. But in a way... I'm going to use another football cliche here for you both. A bit of a free hit that I guess Palace can just go into it. and
2: uh, Do have history, though, of winning on a Monday night against Man City. It, was, that,
1: was that a that, Monday night? Was that,
2: punch, that was punch Jay, Jason Punchin and uh, Glen Murray. Murray banging at the, at the far post in Pardy's first season. So, yeah. you know, there is history. And, and Palace will be rocking. I think, you know, we're in a really good place. Um, I'm sure from first to last whistle, Super Pat Vieira will be. Will be sung with with much gusto. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to a, a Monday night under the lights.
1: Yeah, I was caught on camera singing that in the uh, in the concourse at Wolves uh, after the game. The week, but it was it was a lovely moment actually. It was a really nice moment that was that was sung in the seats. And then as everyone was walking out, and it does feel like we are in a good moment really with Vieira and his journey at Palace. Uh, and, and there's a real connection, I think, with the fans at the moment, which doesn't always happen with managers. I mean, I mean, Roy had it for a bit, but. You know, It doesn't always happen, but there is a big loving at the moment. So um, I think whatever happens on Monday, that won't change. Uh, but as you say, Jack, we are in a, in a good moment uh, uh, at, at the moment with with our relationship with Vieira and actually the football and the results as well. So long may it continue. Uh, what won't continue is this podcast, because that, that's the end of the pod. But, lads, thanks for terrible
2: ending. I was caught <laughs> by surprise. <Unbelievable. laughs> uh,
1: it's what I do, mate. It's what I do. Uh, anyway, thanks, uh, Jack. Thanks for coming on. Always great having you on.
2: Yeah, no, thanks, thanks for having me, JD.
1: Top man and Andy, thanks for coming on. And as Kevin said as he left, I think this bit expected goals. End, didn't say XG. Oh, you finally ruined it right at the end. Um, which, yeah, we didn't need didn't need to, didn't need to be mentioned this week, to be honest. no, it didn't need to be mentioned that we had 2.37 against uh Wolves' is 0.78. The game spoke for itself. <laughs> there you go, exactly. Bang on, didn't need it at all. Uh, but shame we uh, you we ruined that at the end. Um, anyway, but Andy, good having you on. Thank you very much. I didn't realize that was your first appearance. Of the year as well. But uh, good to have you on. It is. Hopefully uh, get you on again soon at some point. I would hope so. Yeah, it's hot, man. And obviously thanks to Kevin as well. He had to leave us early, but obviously we love having Kevin back on as well. Uh, Post-match pods will be with you, I think Tuesday morning, I think because it's a late one. uh, For those of you that are patrons, keep an eye out for that. And then we'll do a main pod next week maybe Wednesday Jack I don't know maybe give ourselves an extra day maybe because it is a if if this is you inviting me on I'll have to look at my (laughs) diary you're part of the team now you're part of the team but uh, (laughs) yeah we'll make it happen next week but until then enjoy the rest of your week and uh, and your weekend uh, the non-palace weekend and we'll see you all again very soon take care goodbye
6: Podcast Network.